0: NBA fans, we're in the middle of summer, and even here in San Francisco, we're hitting above 90 degree weather. I'm sweating, there's nothing on TV, no sports. We got a couple of bullet points to talk about when it comes to the NBA, but we're excited for the NBA season. And if you're a fan, then you know that tickets are going on sale and they're going away quick, even for Clipper tickets, right, Sean? We just experienced that this week, trying to get ourselves some face value clipper tickets. We failed, but the resale hey, we, market. We we is ended there for up getting reason. those
1: tickets though. We ended up getting those tickets on the resale market like you said and you know, it really wasn't a bad deal. We we got seats at the upper level, but dead center in the court. So we're going to have a great view. LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and hopefully Paul George. Uh, we'll right. see how that shoulder heals for him, but man, I'm beyond excited. 3 years in a row we get to go to the Lakers home opener. Or I guess it don't feel like a Lakers home opener. It's really a Clippers home game, but we all know that even with Kawhi, that that's not going to be
0: the case. Right. I mean, the right the floor court is going to say Clippers, but I think there's going to be a, still a lot of purple and gold jerseys out there at least for this first game. We'll see how the when the season progresses, how many bandwagon Clipper fans <laughs> the Clippers can collect. But yeah, I, I'd still count it as a home opener. And two out of the last three years for us, Sean, have been a Lakers versus Clippers home opener but more than anything this one has way more significance than any other Clipper versus Laker matchup in that we actually have two title contenders going against each other now
1: yeah this is the first time in history that this has ever happened there's just no like there's no way the Clippers have ever been on the Lakers level like they are right now right and I guess you could say the same
0: given the, the, <laughs> the 2010 <Lakers>
1: recent, yeah <laughs> yeah the
0: Lakers recent history they haven't been at the same level as the Clippers but here we are Yet again, and we're starting, excited for the 2019-2020 season to get started. Uh, we still got to wait a couple more months for that. But first, we got some news here. We got Draymond Green agreeing to a four-year, $100 million extension with the Warriors. A pretty extensive discount, I would say, considering this man could have signed for four years, $150 million, had he just been a little bit patient and waited until next summer. Um, of course, this is considering all of the incentives that he has hit on that contract contract. Winning Defensive Player of the Year, making First Team All NBA, First Team All Defense, but Draymond Green agreeing to stay in the Bay Area.
1: Man, I I'm very surprised by this move. This is like I feel like he kind of surprises me in that he seems like a guy that would be in it for himself, you know, like think that he's the dude. But he shows that he cares more about keeping the team together and just playing another four years with Steph and Clay, potentially D'Angelo Russell. And right. just keeping the dynasty going. He likes winning more than anything, is what he's saying with this move. So, yeah, I mean, taking $50 million less to win consistently for the next four years, like, that seems like a big hit. But, hey, for for Draymond, I mean, $25 million is still pretty clean.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's still a substantial good amount of money. And, I mean, the question always kind of lingers with Draymond Green is how good would he be without the Splash Brothers, without Steve Kerr right there running, helping him out. So, and we could have gotten the answer to that question, but honestly, it seems like we're not going to. That may not be, That's probably plays better parts of Draymond Green. But if you would have asked me three months ago if this move would have happened, I would have said probably not. But ever since Kevin Durant left these Warriors, this opened the door wide open for Draymond Green to sign that bottom line. Mm -hmm. And that conflict they had, honestly, underlying, it had to have been this issue right here. Draymond Green knew he wasn't going to get this money, even though we're close to $100 million had Durant stayed with the Warriors. Since he left, he's all good, and he got the $100 million that he wanted. Not the 150 but I think he seems obviously he's okay with at least $100 million.
1: Yeah, the Warriors have treated him well, so it's kind of him doing them a favor back. You know, it's like, you're going to be paying luxury tax for the next four years again, but maybe you pay a little bit less by not having to pay me an extra upwards of 10 to $15 million a year.
0: Right, and the league is—it's um, a different—it's a different ball game, man. Different ball game. No LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love out there, uh, so maybe this could be enough to com- still continue competing and get another title. Who knows? We'll see how it goes right now in this in this league of duos. It seems like yeah. we're gonna get these Warriors,
1: gonna... man. These Warriors just never go away. They're not the next four years of this podcast. We're gonna be talking about the Warriors at some point about playoff contention, championship contention. It's just never gonna
0: stop. Yeah, so we'll see where this goes for Draymond Green agreeing to this deal how about Vince Carter agreeing to a one year deal to return back to Atlanta (laughs) Vince Vince Sanity just never stops, it keeps going this dude's going to keep playing until he's 50 probably, he's going to see people who were born when he was 10 years into the league at this point, I feel. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. This, this
1: guy is literally Iron Man. I don't know how he's still playing in this league. I bet he's going to end up playing like 15 minutes a game with this team too. Like they're not a good team still. Like they just, they picked up some good rookie pieces, but they're rookie pieces. So Vince Carter's still going to have a role in this team. And, he probably picked Atlanta because, I mean, he must like the culture there, Might must like grooming these young guys into what could potentially be a very good team a couple years from now. And, you know, he still gets to play a little bit because they're not very good. So right. it kind of works out for him. And yeah, you kind of hate to see how he's not really going to win an NBA title. Um, but, you know, I, I guess he's okay with it.
0: Yeah, this is a guy that loves the game of basketball. And, I mean, not to disrespect the guy here either, this was no, I think, sympathy signing. I mean, Vince Carter brings some value, even at fifteen minutes a game. He's a he's a great he's a decent shooter for this mm-hmm. Atlanta team. That's all he's got to really do out there is just catch and shoot, catch and shoot, <laughs> ten to fifteen minutes a game. Yeah, give us the Atlanta occasional team.
1: give us the occasional Sanity dunk. A little give us a little reminiscence of uh, what the early two thousands were like right
0: maybe during warmups. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I'm, i am surprised though that toronto didn't resign him for his last year you know like this is this has to be his last year
0: right. uh, i'm
1: surprised that toronto didn't want to do him that do him that solid
0: yeah yeah that's a good point there i don't really know what the answer to that would be but how about this one this is a <laughs> this is quite yeah this is interesting <laughs> here clippers closing in on hiring tyron lew as an assistant to doc rivers this is the NBA, man. If you, you're you a successful coach, you can even get coach of the year win an NBA title. And then years later, you're, you're second fiddle. You're the assistant coach. And I mean, it's been seen before. Mike Brown didn't get the NBA title, but he's an assistant coach to Steve Kerr, a rookie coach. Maybe right. not quite as dropped down as Tyron Loon might agree to, but... I mean, what do you think right here? What are you thinking of this? Oh, I mean, man. it's a great move for the Clippers if they can pull it off.
1: I mean, it sounds like they're going to. I, I don't see any reason why not. I mean, I don't. there's no head coaching jobs left open, so Ty Lue might as well come on with the Clippers. And being the top assistant, not just any assistant, the top assistant to Doc Rivers, that's got to be a pretty significant role on the team, like pretty much as close to a head coach as you can be in the league. Mm-hmm. And, man, the, the Clippers front office just keeps looking better and better. I don't know if this like moves the needle at all as far as championship contention or not. I mean, I feel like the, the coaching style Doc Rivers had and the staff that he had last year, is, with, alongside now adding in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, is good. I don't really know what Ty Lue gives us extra, I guess. you know, like, Did right. we need Ty Lue there to be an
0: assistant? Like, What, what value does he add? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's hard to really quantify that or see it in tangibles until we actually see this team on the core and see what they're missing and see what Tyron Lue ends up adding. But yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, the thing that's really moving that needle is players, right? So, yeah, But the Clippers like, already have that talent. Yeah, the coaching system is already spot on. Like,
1: this team could not have been better coached last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think... The one thing where he might add value is that he knows LeBron James very well. And if you're mm-hmm. talking about trying to compete against the Lakers... Maybe he can offer some insight on what works against LeBron and what doesn't. What gets in his head. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. That, that's that's all I got, honestly, about Ty Lue. Maybe that's
0: how Toronto won it last year, right? That yeah. Patrick McCall Patrick gave McCall. him that tiny point zero one percent edge yeah. to win game six. Yes.
1: It's like, that- so Kevin Durant's... Ankles weak, you should try to get him on that side.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Oh well, gosh. We'll see what Tyron Loubly. What a what a kind of a drop I'd say, just like a to go from like being one of the hot head coaches to potentially hire. You're on the way to getting that head coaching job with the Lakers it looked, right. and then all of a yeah. sudden it all just like uh, falls off and now you're an assistant coach. But that's the NBA for you, I guess. Yeah. Um, how about the twenty nineteen and two thousand twenty NBA schedule starting to leak and then the NBA having no choice at all but just to release the whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the age of the internet, Reddit, and <laughs> leaks, man. You cannot hype anything up. You can't leave fans, fans suspenseful because you know what? We don't want to wait. We don't want the suspense. We're going to leak it and get right to the details.
1: Yeah, and we thought we were hardcore NBA fans. You know how much work these guys probably have to put in to figure out where, like, what these schedules are going to be
0: way before they're supposed to be released? Right. Yeah, it's extensive. It's I, I give a lot of props to the people who especially people who schedule NBA games in LA and New York where you have concerts coming in and out. Right. Random yeah. conventions coming in and out and you gotta figure out travel logistics to where it's also it also makes sense. You don't wanna have the Lakers play the Clippers and then all of a sudden play the Knicks the next day. You gotta go Clippers Lakers, Suns or Portland or such and to make the trips <laughs> a little more make have a make sense yeah props to the algorithm (laughs) right exactly but the season starting october 22nd lakers versus clippers opening night and christmas thank the lord for this nba season we got (laughs) lakers versus clippers four times warriors versus clippers four times lakers versus warriors four times man so
1: good i i'm so stoked that they made lakers clippers opening night again Um, as they did two years ago when we saw Lonzo Ball's debut. Turned out to be a dud. I have much (laughs) higher hopes this time around for a better game. Yeah, And then on Christmas, too. Like, that's really cool. I don't think the Lakers-Clippers have ever played each other on Christmas. That's going to be a really epic showdown as well.
0: Yeah, I cannot possibly think of a reason why they were maybe kobe versus elton brand back yeah, in those days that's not, not even yeah <laughs> yeah but even then i think the the kobe versus Shaq like that dominated christmas for a couple of years there so i think that's i don't think there was any chance there's a clipper game in that little bundle of years so right no way but i mean revenge games homecoming games that's still a thing in the nba and we got a mm-hmm. bunch of those with Russell Westbrook returning to OKC against Houston Rockets January 9th. Kyrie Irving coming back to the Garden November 27th. As well as Anthony Davis coming back to New Orleans. What's their stadium called again? The Smoothie King Center? Oh yeah, the Smoothie King Center. Center. That's a good memory. (laughs) Yeah, Anthony Davis coming back to the Smoothie King Center. Christopher Porzingis, New York Mm. November 14th with his Mavericks. Those is some key dates right there to yeah, remember. Yeah, I am think out of
1: all of these four, I'm most looking forward to Anthony Davis going back to New Orleans and just seeing those fans just totally destroy him. And Zion That's Williamson's going to have to step up, man. He's going to have to show New Orleans that they still have
0: something to be hopeful for. Right. And honestly, this game is going to totally be more sided towards New Orleans. I think those young guys are going to come out. Because it's not only really just Davis. you think the Lakers are going to get punked by these young Pelicans? I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I've seen LeBron yeah. turn it off. And I think this might be one of those games <laughs> where the energy just becomes too big at, at the start. And they just kind of throw in the towel in yeah. early. And Lonzo, Ingram, and Zion have themselves a hell of a game. Yeah,
1: Lonzo and Ingram and Hart are all going to have revenge games on the other side too. Like they're they're going to be angry for just being those trade assets. You know? Right. So, they, yeah, they could come out fiery, ready to go. And, yeah, to your point, this is only a little over a month into the season, so this could be like, you know, these LeBron quote-unquote super teams don't really ever seem to come to form until, like, midway through the season. So if you're talking just one month in, it it could still be looking ugly for the Lakers, honestly. I think
0: so. Even though uh, I forgot the exact stat, but it looked like the first ten games for the Lakers were going to be pretty, pretty lax oh, for them. Man, they're just giving them every excuse to win this year, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, and I mean LeBron's a pretty lax guy. You're right when it comes to the start of the season, especially with the when he comes with a new team. Yeah. Um, I think they still they still start off pretty hot, but I do see them losing this New Orleans game. I think. Lonzo and Ingram are really gonna bring that energy. I think these guys are upset, genuinely upset, and the way they were treated last year, at least the last six months, I wouldn't consider it good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that will be a, definitely the game to watch that day. I'm sure it'll be on ESPN or T N T. We'll definitely be watching it. Out of these four teams, uh these four games I should say, who do you think's gonna get booed and who do you think is gonna get a
0: standing ovation when they get announced on the floor? Oh, I think Anthony Davis is going to get booed for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there is no
0: doubt about that one. That one's easy. That's Russell easy. Westbrook yeah. is getting a standing ovation. Okay, Kyrie yeah, cool. Irving. You will be some spotty standing ovations, but honestly, it'll be reactionless. I think, and same with or Porzingis. I think it's just going to be a little a dud, all hype, but no, but no <laughs> substance.
1: So, the thing I think that Christophs and Kyrie will get booed. I think Kristaps is going to get booed because New York fans are some of the most passionate fans. I mean, you see them come out every NBA draft and just they just are so distraught with every pick the Knicks make, like they just destroyed the franchise again. (laughs) So (laughs) I can totally see them booing Kristaps. And then for Kyrie, I mean, the Celtics have every reason to be mad at Kyrie. He basically stunted the growth of both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And that team didn't accomplish anything that it was supposed to do. Like it had one of the most promising lineups two years ago, and he leaves them with nothing but a second round exit last year.
0: That's true. That's a good point. I just don't think there's enough bad blood in there. I think that bad blood kind of was cleared out of the air. Co- I don't know by, do you... <laughs> by like February. I think <laughs> February Boston no. realized
1: this is not a good team, bro. If you I bet, <laughs> you do you remember that Marcus Smart interview? I bet if you ask any player that was on that Celtics roster they would say that that was like the worst team chemistry they've ever had last year like
0: (laughs) yeah and I'm sure it was I just don't think Boston Boston fans care anymore about this guy I think it's just kind of irrelevant I feel like they're a little
1: hurt that's all that's what I'm saying
0: yeah I could see that I definitely could see that I think it's gonna also depend on how hot this Celtic team comes out of the gates this year so November twenty yeah. seventh. By then, what you think they have? What like ten or fifteen games in? Ten games?
1: Yeah, yeah, probably like twelve to fifteen games by that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where
1: they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, all, all great games to watch. So I'll be so excited to watch those. I mean, the, the, some of these are going to be blowouts. Like Houston versus OKC is not going to be a very good game. I don't even think Dallas versus the Knicks is going to be a very good game. The, but th- that no- that November 27th, where Anthony Davis goes to New Orleans, Kyrie goes to the Celtics, those will both be very good games. So that that is the date to watch for. If you're if you're an NBA fan in any capacity, don't miss <laughs> November 27th.
0: Yeah, it's so funny how the homecoming games have sort of started with Le. It's LeBron has just culturally <laughs> changed this league this decade. Like <laughs> the whole, I mean, the decision. I yeah. mean, everybody now publicizes. <laughs> oh yeah hell he, i mean he even on linkedin when people change jobs they not publicize <laughs> them like they're freaking lebron or oh. kevin durant writing a piece on the player's Tribune. <laughs> like it's just so funny like this homecoming game this is totally a lebron thing that got started and now it's just yeah. gone to
1: another level but i i love how Kawhi leonard's like the anti-icon you know, right. like he, he goes into his press conference at the Clippers. He's like, I don't have an Instagram, so I didn't even announce anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he's like the most opposite of that way. He's almost trying to like balance it. You know, right. it's like him and LeBron are the perfect yin and yang. So it's perfect <laughs> that the Lakers Clippers matchup
0: is going to be them to duking it out. Right, I love the answer where he was like, well, I forgot he got asked something about the context of like whether he's a Laker fan, and he's just like, oh, see, I was an Allen Iverson fan.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah he's like, Oh me me, and Paul have been
1: Clippers fans our whole lives. I like, like, yeah. what? <laughs>
0: but yeah, I mean, I could totally see it, because you're right, he is that just complete opposite of a Leonard. So good. But anyways... Let's go into the second segment here is like, let's break down the breakout candidates because this year, you know, rosters are set up. We have a really good idea or we have good projection idea of like what the lineups could look like once the season gets going. We have some guys who were who were running in most value for most improved player and they're returning back and rosters have changed. Uh, 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 pecking order has changed. So Sean, why don't you break down and give me your first breakout candidate. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you want to go like, I'll do
1: one, you do one? Does that sound like... Yeah, let's do that. So my first one, I'm really excited about my list, by the way. I I don't know about you, but I have a lot of faith in these guys. My my first guy on the list, and this might be a gimme, but I'm going with Pascal Siakam. Nice. The reigning NBA Most Improved Player from last season. And this man had a great season last year, playing second fiddle, third fiddle sometimes to Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, 32 minutes per game averaged 16.9 points per game 6.9 rebounds per game and 3.1 assists per game almost a steal per game very solid stats all around and this was only on a 20.5% usage rate last year which ranked him 157th of players that had played at least 20 games last year. Now, that's a hell of a number. <laughs> thank you. I, I did some numbers crunching for this yeah. one, but I mean, on the end, yeah, and also no more Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, Kyle Lowry's dealing with a thumb injury right now, so we're not really sure what his status is going to be at the start of the season. Maybe he'll be back, but he might not be at full health, maybe not be at full conditioning. Pascal Siakam is just going to have to take over this team, make that leap to become an all-star, and I have full faith in this man to do it. He has range all the way from driving it, isolation to a three-point shot step in, and his defense is amazing too. He does everything on the floor, so I just see a big improvement coming for Pascal.
0: I could see that, and I honestly had him as like a, a notable candidate for this category I'm just interested in seeing, does this net have the confidence? Does he have the it factor to command the offense for this team and in an Eastern Conference that will probably be solely focused just on him now moving forward? Uh, Danny Green is gone. The spacing is gone. Kawhi yeah, Leonard is gone. gone the spacing mm-hmm. is gone. <laughs> Marcus Sold and Serge Ibaka, can they give this man enough space and enough support for yeah. him to take over games?
1: He good still has a few. Though. There's a few pieces there. Like, Kyle Lowry's still a good player. OG Ananobi is a guy that we always talk about. Is like, mm-hmm. we thought he could have been a breakout candidate last year. So maybe he gets a chance, too. And then you still have Norman Powell. Um, yeah. So they have solid pieces. Obviously, they're going to be a fringe playoff team without Kawhi Leonard and an okay. older Kyle Lowry Marcus All. But Pascal Siakam could be that guy that keeps them in contention.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely the stars of a line for this guy. And, I give you props for breaking this down, Sean. You are you 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 got me convinced here. Dude. I
1: love me some Pascal Man. I I will go to the edge of the world for this man. And to to the it factor point, this man scored thirty two points in his first ever NBA Finals game. And if that that's not if that's not an it factor,
0: I don't know what is. He did win a title. You are right. He yes. won a championship, and he had a good <laughs> chunk of percentage of credit to 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 go to his name. Yes, but sir. I, Here's mine, man. And I I am so pumped <laughs> on this guy. The time has come. The time has come. And I got some notable highlights yes, or notable <laughs> candidates that could have made it right here. I, I had Kyle Kuzma. I was oh, thinking about giving on. him a shot.
1: No. I I would have been livid <laughs> if you picked Kyle Kuzma.
0: I was like, "Man, I got to pick my boy Kyle
1: Kuzma." But I was like, "No." There's I almost some, had him as a better I almost had him as a regression
0: candidate, which is going to be our section after this. Yeah, but I had to go with my boy Julius Randle, man. I think this guy has had some disrespect <laughs> given to his name due to the New York Knicks awful free agency. And sure, it wasn't it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, it, it was, was bad. It was the yeah. worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Julius Randle, you can't tell me this guy does not does not have the makings of being potentially a top-five power forward in this league. 25 years old. This guy averaged 21 and 9 playing behind DeMarcus Cousins. Anthony Davis, Nikola Mirotic, <laughs> on 30 minutes a game. He damn near averaged a double-double here. <laughs> and to close this year when Anthony Davis was going through his face, he was going 25-9 <laughs> and nine a game. Man, from That's March 1st numbers. all the way until the end of the year, 35% from three, 50% from the field. This guy is on fire when it comes to anywhere between at the basket to 15 feet away. I mean, this guy even had a 45 45- Point game. When you look at the New York Knicks off roster, it's awful. Beyond awful. <laughs> I mean, sure, you got some forward competition between Kevin Knox, Tosh Gibson, Bobby Portis, and Marcus Morris. These guys are kind of good, decent players, but they're not setting a chance against Julius Randle. This man's going 26 and 9, if not 26 Ooh. and 10, next year. <sighs> Whew.
1: I, I, wow. I am on the Randle is, train. Wow. The I one did...
0: bright spot for the Knicks.
1: That is so tough for me because we both know how terrible the Knicks are going to be next year.
0: All the more reason is, why Randall's going to... This... <laughs> yeah.
1: Is this an offense that can sustain a 26-9 and nine guy?
0: Oh, because Randall's just going to go through, man, and clean up the boards and get putbacks like there's no tomorrow.
1: I just feel like they're going to be in so many situations where they're like behind by 20 points going into the fourth quarter that they might not even play him that much. <laughs> like that's my only concern with this is that I just the team is so bad. Like I I am a believer in Julius Randle. I have been since he was on the Lakers. Like I was upset when they didn't re-sign him and then when the Pelicans didn't re-sign him for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't like Brandon Ingram or something. Mm-hmm. And then like I don't I don't know. It just I've always been a believer in him, but to be on the Knicks and like that you know that that horrible coaching staff and ownership is gonna force minutes to guys like Taj Gibson and Bobby Portis. Like, why why are we paying these guys? We're not playing them. You guys better play them. Like, he, they're gonna eat into his time. I feel. I just I can't buy into him getting twenty six points a
0: game. No, this man is happening, and I guess I could see that point. But Taj Gibson, let's be real. This guy's thirty four years old. Marcus Morris. This this guy's a buyout <laughs> candidate. Bobby Portis. <laughs> Sure, I guess I could see it. But these guys, I feel like two of these guys are getting traded by the time the trade deadline comes around. They're getting traded even, for some picks. Don't even
1: know who wants Marcus Morris at $15 million a year. You never know, man.
0: You never know. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the I, short contracts give them – there's hope. There's hope. But I think Julius Randall's mm-hmm. taking control of this team. Him and Mitchell yeah. Robinson, he's a great centerpiece to have right next to him. But Mitchell Robinson is not a scorer. There is no scorer on this team. The only true scorer – it's Julius Randall, the true king of the Northeast. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Man, I, I really – I like the pick. I just – I'm so scared of the Knicks. But as I say that, I'm going to roll into my next pick.
0: <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> and, one is way yeah, out of left field.
1: I, I – like I've talked to you about this before, and I'm actually surprised you went with a different Nick. I'm going with Mitchell Robinson as my second breakout candidate. He was
0: a he was a notable candidate in my book. I was there, like close to putting him down.
1: There's such an easy case for this man. Averaged 2.4 blocks per game in his rookie season and he played 20 minutes a game. <laughs> what is that over 30 over 30 minutes a game as the starter now with DeAndre Go- Jordan gone? There's no one else on the center depth chart. They have five power forwards, but only one center. This guy's going to get at least 30 minutes a game. That's mm-hmm. at least three blocks a game, which is just ridiculous. He might average four blocks a game, honestly. <laughs> he might
0: break the NBA he record. Might, he <laughs> might
1: break the NBA record, and we forget, and we talked about this earlier, is that this is a guy that was a projected lottery pick coming out of high school that four went college to just train, condition himself for the NBA, and that somehow resulted in him falling
0: to the second round to the yeah, Knicks. That's crazy. He was one of those guys like Darius Baisley, some of these guys who are just foregoing college and losing stock at draft night. But these guys are still good NBA players. Like Mitchell Robinson yeah. was a top five, top 10 ranked high school player in the nation. Right. Uh, yeah. So you forget about
1: that when they're just off the map for a year. But right. th- there is no reason this guy should have been off the map. He, whenever he was in the game, he balled out.
0: He, mm-hmm. These
1: this block numbers are ridiculous. He's gonna be the next defensive stopper. He could potentially be a defensive player of the year one day. Maybe yeah, I mean, not next year, but I think next year is gonna be his chance to break
0: out because the opportunity is gonna be there. He could be the DeAndre Jordan. What DeAndre Jordan? I guess was like six six or seven years ago. Right. Um, he was. It's hard to argue against this because I was so close to also putting him down. I know when and, I saw you didn't put him down, I'm like,
1: oh, that's my easy third pick. I, I was gonna, I was trying to think, think of what other route I wanted to go, but yeah, Mitchell Robinson. I, I love this kid. I think he's gonna be amazing.
0: I think he's his deep. I'm really excited to see his defense. I think that has a better chance. I guess his one flaw is like, can he do, can he do enough on the offensive end to stay on the floor for the New York Knicks? And at some point, I also want to say, does that even matter? Like, yeah. for this
1: team. It doesn't really matter. But, I mean, yeah, I, I could see him being competition for Rudy Gobert for that Defensive Player of the Year. I yeah. I feel like he does a similar type of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a trend here with our picks here is I think the league is going back towards a center and a true power forward combo, which would help Mitchell Robinson here because I guess another weak part of his game is can he keep up in this game of switching and this yeah. game of going small <laughs> And he might get exposed there. I haven't really seen enough of him to say confidently that he can play in that type of game, but at the same time, like I said, I mean when you're playing the seventy sixers who are going to going with Joel Embiid and all Horford, and a lot of teams seem to be going that way, including the Lakers and the Clippers, when they're mm-hmm. playing a true center and a true power forward. Um, that might help out his game and stay really make help him stay on the floor for thirty minutes plus.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, the the shift that the league seems to be going a little bit, um, that can only help him. So right. I mean, yeah, while the Knicks are going to be awful, they have a few pieces that I'm excited about. And, yeah, Mitchell Robinson, I'm going to be watching his block numbers from day one. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's see where that goes. But continuing that trend, like I said, we're, it seems like we're choosing power forwards a lot. Yeah. Because right. I think this is where the league is really going to help these guys uh, really get back and play that natural position. And one of those guys is Anthony Davis, a dude who is a power forward, not a center, a true guy mm-hmm. on the floor, on the block. 25-9 and last year through 56 games where he played 96% of his playing time at center. And that's important mm. to note because two years back-to-back prior to last year, this man was a 28-11 and machine where he played 40%, close to half of his playing time at power forward. And he wow. made it pretty clear that that's the position. He wants to play back again with this Laker team, and I think they're putting him there, hence with the signings of ja- JaVale McGee and DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins yeah. So if this guy's back at the power forward position, I definitely think he's going back to not only being a 28-11 and 11 machine, but I'm saying it right here now. This man's going 29-12. and 12. He's the first option on this Laker team. This guy scored 61% of his dunks on assists, and that's last year with the ball coming from drew holiday let's look at javel mcgee <laughs> who had 78 percent of his dunks off assists from lebron james and yes. that's the number i can see davis getting closer to and as a result i mean this guy's going 29 potentially pushed to 30 points a game and he's coming back as an mvp candidate he's heard the name giannis mm. too many times he wants to be <laughs> called the best player in the game and i see it man i know it's hard to say that he's a breakout candidate because of how good he is but when you're going from number six or number five best player in the game to potentially number one or two, I think that's a breakout season. I really
1: like this pick, and I had the same <laughs> thought as you. I I was like, man, like Anthony Davis, I feel like he's going to just explode with, with LeBron on the floor. Right. But he's Anthony Davis. He's already so good. But I like that you, you went out there and you picked him because he could definitely be the MVP next year, which wasn't even a consideration last year. So just going from that makes him obviously as improved as anybody else on this list and man, you might, you know have some cojones, Alan. Make it thirty <laughs> make some thirty and twelve. Thirty and twelve. Why twenty nine.
0: Come on. <laughs> I mean he's still sharing the floor with the king with LeBron, but you're right, why not go thirty why and 12? I can see, yeah. see him going thirty and twelve. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I, I have no arguments against this. Anthony Davis is gonna be just an absolute monster this year. It's yeah, it's his team now. Like honestly, mm-hmm. like it's it's LeBron's team, but Who's going to be the one producing on the floor? Anthony Davis is going to
0: be that guy. Yeah, and I think if this Lakers team wants to really win some ball games, it's got to be Anthony Davis, your best player, your number one option. He's yeah. he's just got to be. I mean, sure, you can have LeBron James handling the ball most of the time, but Anthony Davis is your is your your chunk, the chunk of your team right there.
1: Right. I I love the point about mo- him moving to power forward too. That that is going to be huge. Like the numbers speak for themselves, right there, and the yeah. fact that they do have two true centers, like he won't have to play that very much. Maybe, maybe he has to go to center when they have to go small ball against a few different teams, like the Warriors, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a troubling matchup. But other than that, yeah, like against the Clippers, against some of these other uh, East Coast teams that have true centers, like like the Bucks and the Sixers, like he's gonna have a field day against guys like Al Horford and whoever's playing power forward for the Bucks, right. Giannis, maybe yeah, Giannis. I guess would be a tough matchup, but yeah, yeah, no, that uh, this is a great pick. So moving to my third pick, and this this might be a guy that flies (laughs) a little under the radar. But yeah, I, I was a little, little a,
0: surprised when I saw this name. I, but I, I have a lot of confidence in this guy.
1: I, I like what I saw from him last year. And this guy I'm talking about, is Bam Adebayo on the Miami Heat. Interesting, they're, interesting. Yes, their new starting center now that Hassan Whiteside has been shipped off to Portland. This is a guy that came off the bench for most of the year last year, averaging just 23 minutes per game with some solid production. 8.9 points per game, 7.3 rebounds per game. shooting so you know this guy has game but now that he's getting the minutes he's gonna be a double double machine next year this guy's athletic he's young he's ready to break out this is a team that doesn't really have a lot going for it Jimmy Butler's there he's kind of a black hole but Bam Adebayo is gonna have a lot of space down low now that there's no competition in Miami anymore and I, don't, I just like how he's improved from his rookie year to his second year, and I think this third year is going to be his breakout year. It's kind of yeah. simple.
0: It's funny. We have Julius Rando, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, yeah. some con- Mitchell some Robinson, univ- yeah, Pascal some, Siakam. Some, I was going to say some University of Kentucky products here. With oh, Adebayo okay. I see. Uh, I, see
1: I thought you were going with the, the whole uh, power forward
0: center route. Like, all these guys are big men. Yeah, no, yeah, there's Big Man. I didn't really think about this guy, but yeah, I can see where you're going. I'm gonna have to try to steal him in fantasy from you, come because oh, no. he's nice, <laughs> gonna be one of those. I just X gave away my secrets.
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I yeah, this guy, man, I just I have a lot of faith in just the potential, I guess, that there's there. Like he has a lot of potential available to him in Miami and that's really where I'm going with that pick.
0: Yeah, and I could see that. It's hard to argue against that because there's really not a true challenger for him unless a trader. I mean, there's no last-minute free agency signing either that's going to help this spot. No, so no. <laughs> it's hard to argue against you with on that one other than like, well, let's see what Bam Adebayo has. You got me listening for sure. Yeah, you got me paying yeah. attention. <laughs> yeah, so, I'll make you forget about him before we have our fantasy draft, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So... My last pick was kind of hard. I was mm. I was stuck on who to give this spot to, and I wanted to pe- pick a king. I wanted to pick <sighs> a Sacramento king because I think this team is going to surprise some people, and I couldn't decide whether it was going to be because of Marvin Bagley or De'Aaron Fox. So I'm just going to give these two guys a spot here and highlight <laughs> both of them and let you decide who truly is the breakout yeah. candidate. But Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox, I mean, I think both of these guys have a good shot at really making some big moves in terms of basketball rankings and getting their name recognized. I mean, these twos are gonna command more minutes than they did last year. So I think be a, a really black black pick in terms of like a playoff push. No one sees it coming. And I mean let's I mean, let's start with DeAaron Fox going seventeen and seven this year after going eleven and four, big improvement this year, shooting thirty-seven percent. he's a starting candidate for the U.S. team. Fastest player in the league, if you want to call him that, (laughs) potentially. And I think he's ready to make even bigger strides here as under Luke Walton, under Luke Walton's coaching staff, and I think that will also help him out. On the other side, you got Marvin Bagley going into his second year, averaging 25 minutes per game last year with 15-7-1. He kind of started off really slow, and I think that really hurt his stock, and he also played behind a bunch of other power forwards with the Sacramento Kings, but all those guys are gone now. (laughs) So we're seeing a guy who's going to, I think, easily average over 28 minutes a game. And what does he produce when he hits over 28 minutes? He averages 18 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, 48% shooting, 39% from 3, 70% shooting from the free throw line. I mean, 39% from 3 is a little unrealistic, but hey, if you give me 36, 37... That's still pretty damn good for for a second-year power forward in this league. So
1: now that you've laid out both those guys, my pick out of your two guys, I'm going to keep it with the forwards and centers, is Marvin Bagley. Yeah. The the case is stronger for him because, like you said, his minutes were limited last year. He was coming off the bench, backing up Willie Cauley-Stein which I don't know why that was happening. That, that's just terrible coaching. Maybe that's why they fired their coach and now they're bringing in Walton. Right. Um, but yeah, like yeah, over 20, only a three extra minutes and he's producing so much more when he averages over that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this guy is an insane talent. Um, a true modern center. I think maybe, right. maybe may powerful in certain matchups, but I, I mean, this, this guy is a big man. I mean, he's, he's got the height. He's got the power. And now he's got the starting minutes, so yeah. I think I think he's definitely the breakout candidate of the two. De'Aaron Fox, I really feel like had his breakout last year, and I, it's hard for for me to tell if he's gonna improve much more, because mm-hmm. he he had the full starter minutes and he showed what he could do with it, but like how much more is he gonna get than seventeen and seven on this team that they, they do spread the ball? I don't think his numbers are gonna improve very much and being a starting candidate uh for this US team which we'll get into at the end of the podcast is not much of an <laughs> achievement uh based off of what's going on this summer with that team. So, I'm not I'm not sold on Fox improving much, but Marvin Bagley, I could definitely see gaining a huge ground this year.
0: Okay, I could see that. You don't see Darren Fox touching 20 points a game this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I just, so
1: I just I guess I just don't believe in them as much as you do. I don't think that they're gonna go make a playoff push. I think okay. the rest like there's the set, there's eight teams in the West that are gonna make the playoffs. It's pretty cut and dry in my mind. The Lakers just supplant the OKC Thunder.
0: Yeah, and that, okay. that's
1: that's it. I don't I don't see this Kings team competing with these teams that have veteran stars on their team already
0: established. Like it, they're still just too young. Well, Sean, when they come knocking at your door, messing up your playoff projections, (laughs) you know who to turn to. You know who told you it was coming.
1: (laughs) I already know who you're going to put them over in the playoff rankings and i can tell you you're already wrong <laughs> <laughs> but we can
0: we can save that for a future podcast all right that's fair that's fair <laughs> and i mean i guess you're starting to steer me more towards marvin Bank, but i'm i i am right i also still just feel tied about these two guys but i definitely wanted to put a king here in this last this last spot here um Sure. I just I think this is going to be a team that's good, that has the potential to make big strides just because of how young they are and the close of age between everybody and they seem like they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. But let's get into our regression candidates of the year. And Sean, you got three. You just could not actually. You hey, kind of have four. Kind of have four. Yeah, I cheated a little bit. I just there's three
1: guys I wanted to cover. Four kind of and interestingly enough, three of them played for the same team last year. So. <laughs> i hate to say it but we're we're gonna have to start off with d'angelo russell and this might be the one where you disagree with me but this guy had the fifth highest usage rate of all players last year that played over 20 games during the season so he was one of the most used players on the team and now he's the second maybe third option when clay returns so you're gonna see his numbers fade just naturally He has to adapt to a new system that doesn't favor the hero ball that he was kind of able to do in Brooklyn because he was the guy. He was the guy closing the game. He was the guy with the ball in his hands every play. And that's not going to be the case anymore because we have to see how he meshes with Curry, who they basically are both point guards. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to see D'Angelo Russell slotting in in the shooting guard role because he he is a point guard he's a ball dominant point guard that's just his position so for to see him adapt to a shooting guard where who doesn't have the ball in his hands every possession necessarily is going to be interesting to to see how he adapts but nonetheless even if he does do well in the system I don't think his numbers are going to match what he was able to do last year
0: interesting the only thing I have I can so I kind of agree with you in the aspect that when we saw Caris LeVert just sort of had that hot run at the start of the season before he went down with the injury. It was clear that he was the guy, and D'Angelo Russell was kind of just like hovering around. So it's put—I I could see it being possible that what we saw during that sequence of a month when Caris LeVer was just dominating the, the mm-hmm. game for the Nets—that's yeah. the D'Angelo Russell we get for the Warriors. But then there another side of me says, well, he also had a pretty big surgery that year before <laughs> that. And it's possible that it just took him a while to really get the hang of basketball activities again and really get his body back under him as he recovered from his surgery and injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of torn between those two, and I'm not sure which one to go to. But you did bring up some interesting points here, and it's true. I mean, even when the trade happened, you ask anybody, it all seemed, seemed kind of off. Yeah, right. And... Um, I don't know, man. I'm torn, honestly. I, I just, I, I don't know which way to go. But if, if I'm gonna have to go one certain way, I think I'm gonna go that I still think D'Angelo Russell, given the more time he's had now since that injury, I think he's ready to have a good. He's gonna, he's ready to have another good season. Mm, yeah. Uh,
1: well, you know where I stand on it. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, he's gonna have to prove it to me because what, like, just from an instinct perspective, I'm not seeing it happen.
0: All right. Give us one more before I. Yeah. Before I right, talk I'll, give about you, mine. I'll give
1: you one. And this, maybe this is the, I, I'm curious which one you dislike the most. This might be it. I'm going with the tandem of Kerry Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie. And this, this one stems completely from Kyrie Irving. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with my faith in either player. I love both of these players. Levert and Dinwiddie are some of my favorite players in the league. I love their game. I love how they just came out of nowhere and like burst onto the scene as these impact players on their team helped the Nets make the playoffs, which no one really expected them to do that well last year. But it all comes down to Kyrie Irving at the end of the day. He is now in Brooklyn. The Celtics are breathing sighs of relief everywhere. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are finally going to be the productive players in the NBA that they were meant to be, and that only spells doom for Lavert and Dinwiddie, who play similar roles on the Nets. These are both two young guys who have a lot of t- promise, who are great scorers, with a point guard that just will not be able to get them the ball in any situation that makes sense.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think on this one, I'm going to go with Dinwiddie. I think Caris LaVert is still just a natural scorer in of himself, and he's got size. Um, I think he's coming back healthier than ever, so I think he still has the potential to get his own. Dinwiddie, on the other hand, I think he's going to have to revert to the bench yet again, and I think he's going to get hurt by the dominance and the ball dominance and the minute dominance that Kyrie Irving's going to command in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So if there's one I had to pick here, it's probably going to be Dinwiddie for me. Yeah, it's just a shame, man. Like, this guy's flashed
1: signs of greatness. Both of them have. But, yeah, I see a regression in both their stats with Kyrie Irving being there. I mean, it's like you could argue that D'Angelo Russell is a similar player to Kyrie, but perhaps somehow not as much of a
0: locker room cancer as Kyrie. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I'll give you mine. This might be be a little hot. This might be hot. This might be a (laughs) hot take. A regression, but I got Russell Westbrook as my regression Mm. of the year. Not just so much regression, but just sort of not worth the hype. I think this guy (laughs) is coming in with a lot of hype. The Rockets are coming in with a lot of hype, but I don't think it's going to all be sunshine and rainbows here with the Houston Rockets. (laughs) I think Russell Westbrook is just not quite who he is anymore. Let's get some numbers going, man. His three point percentage. Has not hit 30% since 2016, and it hit an all-time low this last season. Turnovers has just regressively gotten Mm -hmm. higher at 4.5 per game this year. Yikes. Field goal percentage this year was at a five-year low at 42%. So we're talking (laughs) the last time this guy shot over 42%. It was... Back when Kevin Durant was on his team, Serge Ibaka was still there. (laughs) And, I mean, sure, he's a driver. He's not a shooter. But he also has that mid-ranger that he likes. He loves to take. Well, he's never shot that any lower than last year, around 28% when shooting from 3 to 16 feet. I mean, that's even with Steven Adams and Paul George on the team. He's 31 years old. Athleticism is leaving him. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean you can make the argument sure like there's more spacing for him to drive the ball but I just don't see it and I think Russell Westbrook isn't quite the defender that he is anymore I think he has the highlights but I do think he lacks on the defensive end and I don't think he brings the things that, that Chris Paul brought um, to counteract what James Harden brings to the Rockets day in and day out he's just not quite that jump shooter he's not quite the great decision maker that Chris Paul was when it comes to moving the ball So I think this guy's going to experience a regression, and I think the Houston Rockets are going to suffer a bit as a result.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, all those numbers you brought up speak for themselves. The turnover's so high, the field goal percentage so low. So I guess, are you making more of a case of he's going to regress even further? Because it seems like he's already regressed.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's. I think. I think there's a chance he's going to regress even further. Yes, Jeez, and I think. That's are all career lows. And he's bringing the Houston Rockets down with him. I think cool. we're going to see a situation kind of like what we saw with the Celtics last year, like sort of this hype, and it's just not going to quite live up to that. Houston Rockets. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a first round exit team. Woof. I said I mean, it. <laughs> I, the, I
1: mean, I can't argue with you because there's so many good West teams. Like, any team could be a first-round exit team that should be a title contender, honestly. But, yeah, it's just it's sad to see how fast the regression happened for Russell Westbrook. He's still getting his triple-doubles, but they mean less and less every year. The efficiency, I just can't imagine it getting lower than it already <laughs> is. It's just, that's the hard part for me is, like, in my mind, I'm like he can only improve from here, right? 28 <laughs> from the three from the mid range, that's insanely bad. Like,
0: <laughs> as, I don't even understand that. Like, how could it get worse? Well, there's a guy who got a 15 million dollar a year contract who's shooting worse than this. Who's that? Terry Rozier. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
1: should have known. I should have known. Yeah. So there is hope. that's, there is that's hope, fair. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> But man, I yeah, I'm gonna man, it pains me, but oh man, that I can't do it, man. I can't I can't say he's gonna get worse, can I? <laughs> we'll That's see how brutal. it goes. We'll That's see brutal. how it goes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold reserve my judgment until a few a few months into the season maybe. Then then we'll we'll see what happens. But this is my final regression candidate, and this one pains me the most to put him as a regression candidate because I love this player, one of my favorite players last year. It's really sad to see him go from the L.A. Clippers, and this is none other than Tobias Harris.
0: I'm surprised you put Does him this here. I the don't Does, Does this don't hurt to believe. I don't want to believe this. I don't I, think I so. Don't I feel like you're wrong. I, I, I like want to be here. wrong.
1: I, try to talk me out of this then, Alan, because <laughs> I, I don't want to believe this. So right now, Tobias Harris, he's on he's not on the Clippers where he had his best season ever. The first fifty five games this year with the Clippers, twenty point nine points per game on forty nine point six percent shooting, and that's with forty three point four percent from the three. This guy is impressive so awesome, just so efficient, so solid. He gets traded to Philadelphia. He regresses to 18.2 points per game for the rest of the regular season, only shooting 46.9% from the floor and all the way down to 32.6% from three. And then that was bad. But then in the playoffs, it got even worse because he only averaged 15.5 points per game in the games that mattered most. 15.5 points per game in the playoffs on 42.5% shooting. This 76ers team is just not the right fit for Tobias Harris. I hate to say it. He's locked in there for five years now, which awesome for him because he's getting that max money. But his game, I just cannot see his game improving there when he's operating as the third or fourth option sometimes on the team. It's just the potential just isn't there for him. The volume isn't there for him like it was on the Clippers when he was able
0: to show how good he actually is. I think this might, it's my own, my, for my initial thought, and I didn't believe, I couldn't believe these, I didn't think these numbers were that bad, wow, I didn't, never really saw them on paper like this. All
1: right, yeah, it sucks, yeah. I ha- I hated looking at it, I was like, oh yeah. man, I think hurts. it's gotta
0: be like the Lou Williams down, Denali Gallinari, like, the Clippers, like, sure they have a superstar, but they did have like these little multiple scoring threats and good shooters on the floor that. Might have helped him out a lot. Whereas when you look at the Seventy Sixers outside of Joel and Tobias Harris is that scoring option for this mm-hmm. for that team, and I think that coverage really hurt his game here, or maybe the lack of ball movement as well, and the the multiple options on the offensive end to score that the Clippers had versus what the Seventy Sixers had maybe hurt him. Maybe it's a Jimmy Butler effect. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, but th- they, I <laughs> I hope so because he's gone. If that's the case, then he'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, I think the efficiency numbers of 43 and 49 might be a little hard to match up with because I think next year, I think he's headed to being like the, the solid second option on the offensive end, I think, in terms of scoring. Um, I just can't see, really, the scoring punch coming from somebody else. I think it's going to come from Joel Embiid and Tobias here and then Ben Simmons at, at third. Um, so I still I don't want to say he's going to regress. I think he's just gonna be score. He's gonna be scoring buckets in different ways and not quite as efficient. But I'm not ready to call him a regressive candidate yet. Well, if he's not as efficient, that's regression, right? <laughs> yeah, but I still I could see yeah okay, but I could still see him. I still think he's gonna touch twenty points a game. I think it's he's still just, a twenty and eight machine. Yeah,
1: because I mean, if if you want to argue that Jimmy Butler was the reason that he was not as efficient, because Jimmy Butler's a selfish player, or whatever then maybe there's a case to be made there. But then you're also looking at two guys, Al Horford and Josh Richardson. They're both going to probably try to shoot at least 10 times a game. Josh Richardson's kind of a volume scorer, or at least he was on Miami. He's going to try to carve out a role for himself because he's a young gun that's trying to prove what he's worth still as well. I'm the only guy without a long-term contract on this team. So he's going to be trying to get his own. And I just, it makes me worry for like what type of volume Tobias Harris is going to have. If you're talking about Ben Simmons with the ball, most of the time, he's the one bringing the ball to the court every time. And Joel Embiid just slows down the offense so much because he starts playing iso. Right. It just, it just doesn't seem like the best place for Tobias to show his true worth. Um. So I don't know that that's all what I'm seeing.
0: Here's another point. J.J. Reddick is gone. Who's taking JJ those shots? J.J.
1: Redick is gone, which means there's no spacing. <laughs>
0: I think there's the, no Tobias spacing. is taking
1: those shots. That's
0: Tobias's game right there. He's going to be it that was, option.
1: It was on the Clippers, man. 43% from three, man. He was so good. 32% with the Sixers, man. It's just It's so hard for me to buy in that he'll be able to get back there with the
0: almost a similar roster. Yeah. I don't want to believe it. I'll take you. I I'll don't either. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But final thoughts to close the playoff, to close the podcast off. The FIBA USA roster. What happened, man? This is looking. This is the JV <laughs> roster now. Sad. Well, this, I mean, everybody's gone. Everybody, everyone, yeah. James we're Harden, talking, yeah. no LeBron, no Anthony Davis. I, they,
1: they were I, LeBron wasn't even in contention. He's too busy <laughs> with Taco Tuesday. But, <laughs> but yeah, Damian Lillard out. C.J. McCollum, Bradley Beal, DeMar DeRozan, Tobias Harris, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, and now the most recent scratch, Kyle Lowry. All of these All Star players gone. And then even their replacements dropping out, guys like Paul Millsap, J.J. Redick, Julius Randle, Eric Gordon. You're even talking about Montrez Harrell and Landry Shamit dropping out because they're focused on the Clippers' title contention this year.
0: Wow, it's 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 sort of bizarre how like in basketball the NBA title means so much more versus like a sport like soccer where like the World Cup or like the Olympic gold medal is all as so meaningful but in basketball it's just it's it's such a second tier thing right it's really uh, interesting but uh, yeah i mean i'm surprised like some of these guys like julius randall or like devin booker or some of these dudes closer to like the 25 to 27 age range aren't all about this i mean i feel like that's what team usa is usually made right. out of is dudes in the middle not quite in their peak yet but are about to hit that
1: yeah, and a guy like Julius Randle, it's like you're not gonna do anything with New York. You don't need to prep for the season. You should go get a gold
0: medal at the FIBA tournament. Exactly. Instead now you're you're really regressing down to the dudes who are like are trying to just kick off their NBA career pretty early on, like a J well Jalen Brown, Jason Tangas is a couple, but you know, nonetheless they're still rookie they're still on their rookie deals. We still got mm-hmm. Kemba Walker uh, basically, you got the Celtics on Team USA yeah, right now. I
1: know it's funny. Four of the Celtics still on the roster. They're really taking advantage of uh, everyone dropping out. You got yeah, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and now Kemba Walker too. Kemba Walker is really going to run the show for this team. This is really lacking star power. I, I mean, I'll run through the roster right now if if you want me to. <laughs> Give us some names. Yeah, Harrison Barnes, who I should have put as a regression candidate. Uh, (laughs) Jalen Brown, De'Aaron Fox, Joe Harris, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell. This is the name. Mason Plumlee. (laughs) Mason Plumlee's on this roster. How the heck did that happen? You got Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker? Uh, Miles Turner, Kemba Walker, and... Greg Popovich picked Derek White because he's a Spur. (laughs) So, so (laughs) this, yeah, this team is a bunch of random parts. My question to you is Is this a team that wins the title still?
0: Well, it all depends. I think Joe Kick is out. I think Giannis is out. Uh, Who else? I mean, Spain is so much weaker than they've ever been. They definitely did not do a good job. I think Luca D'Astro. The you
1: Australia the... team looks pretty good.
0: Australia looks good. Ben um, Simmons, yeah. Is Ben Simmons playing for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got so you got some NBA stars sprinkled in there. I mean, I still see them winning gold. Like I said, I mean, some of the top players when it comes to Giannis and Joe Kick. I mean, Spain, that Spain team is so much weaker than they were before. No, Marcus. So I think Pagasol Gasol still wants to play, but... <laughs> They'll yeah. let him play. They'll let him yeah. play for what the Lifetime Achievement Award. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think we're gonna see any dominance of forty points, twenty point wins, but yeah, I mean, I could still see them coming out with gold. I am gonna say yes. Uh, Yeah, I am gonna agree with you just because I just, I don't
1: think I don't have a lot of faith in the rest of the world's talent. They got to prove me wrong at this point because, like, these are all still NBA players at the end of the day, and on the better side of things, besides Mason Plumlee, for whatever reason. Um, Yeah, maybe they just won't play him very much, but yeah, the rest of the team looks still good. Um, the, the Canada team has a few good pieces I can't remember right now but it, yeah Canada and Australia might be the biggest competition and I, yeah, I'm not sure if Luka Doncic is playing mm-hmm. so yeah I don't know I, I still think the US has an advantage but it won't be easy
0: yeah but I mean you got two of my notable breakout candidates in Tierra Fox and a notable call out in Kyle Kuzma yeah Kyle Kuzma <laughs> man he made the team so you never know what happens well, yeah. thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to tune in week in and week out. we still continue recording over the summer, we still talk NBA even though it's the off season. Yes.
1: Division preview is coming up soon. Yep.
0: Thanks everybody. Have a good week.